Hey, good morning, Cedar Mill family. Good morning. Hey, before I get started, uh, as others have mentioned, Merry Christmas Eve, Eve. Uh, as my kids like to say, as we count down the days until we open up presents. But um, how beautiful was this with our kids? I know they're not in here, but can we give them a round of applause? I mean, just incredible. And, and I have it on good word that if I go too long in this sermon, that Dave has green-lighted them to start dropping the snow on me. So if you see snow falling, it's coming to a close. Um, but yeah, I want to I wanna welcome you if you're new or visiting us uh, for the first time. We're thrilled you're here. Again, my name is Paul. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and for the last month or so, we've been in a series uh, we've entitled Among Us. Uh, as we've unpacked the Gospel of John chapter 1. And if I can say this, not just as a staff person, but as a father who has his family here at Cedar Mill, uh, who calls Cedar Mill Bible Church uh, our church home. I have been, our family has been so blessed by this, this sermon series. I don't know how you have felt about it, but um, to have Pastor Dave unpack John uh, 1 has been a reminder to me uh, of just why so many people call John 1, chapter 1, one of the most profound and richest passages in all of Scripture. So this morning, as we finish our Among Us series, we're going to press in just a little bit more into John chapter 1, and we're going to discuss uh, the topic of light. And specifically, we're going to try to gain an understanding as to why or uh, the reason John calls Jesus the light. But here in Portland, uh, we really do have a special relationship with light, okay? When you live like nine plus months of the year in darkness uh, and overcast weather, and honestly, friends, sometimes it feels like all day long, okay, you're more aware of how light impacts your health and your life, okay? If I'm being totally honest, it's the reason I have six kids but own a Jeep that only has four seats. I, I, whenever I see sun, the, light, the, the top comes off. It's the reason my buddy Josh, our worship leader, has a convertible. <laughs> Office fans, you will appreciate the make and model. It's also why this guy just got himself a convertible. And rumor has it, he has been driving it in 33 degree temperatures. <laughs> and I know a bunch of friends who have those little lamps. We call them happy lamps. Have you seen those before? Right? That they simulate sunlight and they help your mood. But in a kind of a twist of irony this week, uh, I was shocked to find out that even dogs in Portland are sensitive to a lack of light. Our English bulldog, I noticed, was losing patches of hair on the sides of his body. His diagnosis, he wasn't getting enough sunlight. His treatment, for reals. We bought him his own <laughs> happy land. For reals, it's right next to his kennel. He's going to be the happiest person in our house. So, <clears throat> but friends, there is nothing that I have ever seen that kind of articulates and explains how we feel, some of us as Portlanders, about sunlight than this video clip I'm going to show you. All right? Weather forecast. 
forecast should be another gray, drizzly morning, high in the low 40s. By afternoon, we may get a glimpse of the sun, but don't get your hopes up too high. We still got another eight months of winter. Hi, hello. Hey, guys. Very nice. This is like the only patch of light in the entire city. Summer is here. Yes. Winter rain, we're, we're through with you. I'm so excited to not be depressed for like six months. Me too. And wherever. Wait. Oh. Oh. Oh well, it's good to see you guys. I'm right. on like three antidepressants. All in right, the summer, well. I just go down to one. So tired of Portland in the winter. Hey guys, right there. Go. Why are you getting dark? Look at this. Do I look tan? A little bit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, right there. Oh, it's back. Hey, son. Okay. Son. Okay, okay. Yes, you have a car and you exist. We are really intimidated. What? Come on. Oh, man. Right? It's freezing. Hey. Guys, look across the way, right there. That's my spot! Down! Watch out. Let's stay together. All right. So I'm not endorsing necessarily watching this show, but that's pretty spot on, am I right? Yeah, that's how I feel. Hey, friends, now that I have got you thinking about light, though, would you go ahead and, and open your Bibles, get them out. If you don't have a Bible, uh, feel free to grab one of the, pew, uh, the Bibles in the pew rack in front of you. And if not that, go ahead and you can direct your attention to the screen behind me. Uh, and if I could just stop uh, real quickly. If you are here and by chance you don't have access to a Bible or you had a Bible and you're like, ah, I'm not reading it, it's gone. But you want a Bible. At Cedar Mill, we want to make sure you leave with a Bible, okay? So make sure you talk to an usher or a pastor. One of us, you can even come up to me after the sermon. Um, because we are convinced that the words in this book by the Spirit have the power to change your life. Amen? Okay, so make sure you grab a Bible if you need it. But go ahead and open up your Bibles uh, to John chapter 1. And we're going to read this morning... John's words to us, and I want us to pay particular attention to John, uh, what John says about Jesus being the light. He calls him the light. He calls him the true light. And later, Jesus calls himself the light of the world. So read with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. 
Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, and has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, as we have been studying John 1 throughout this Advent series, it might become easy to start tuning out those words and forgetting who wrote those words. John referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. At first glance, this might sound a little bit arrogant or like hubris, but it wasn't. For John, there just was simply no question in his mind how much Jesus loved him. They were best friends, closer than brothers. I have had a couple seasons in my life when I could say that I truly had a friend closer than a brother. I treasure those seasons. I am in one of those seasons now and that is not lost on me. But if there was any question about how Jesus felt about John, all we have to do is look at that day. Jesus hanging on the cross, suffering for our sins to conquer sin and death. And who was there with him? His mother Mary and John. And what does Jesus say to his mother and to John? When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Friends, in a culture like Jesus's, there is no minimizing the significance of this moment. Asking John to care for his mother reveals that truly John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. No one closer. John was Jesus's boy. So there is no one better able to tell us about Jesus than John. And in our passage this morning, John tells us Jesus is the light. Now, in order to help us understand what that means, John takes three truths we understand about physical light and applies them to Jesus. <clears throat> so I want us to look at each of these three truths. Number one, light brings life, and so does Jesus. Number two, light overcomes darkness, and so does Jesus. And number three, Light reveals what was previously unseen, and so does Jesus. So let's unpack each one. <clears throat> First, light brings life. Light shows up at, as the Bible begins in Genesis, when God says, let there be light. And then here, light shows up at the beginning of John's gospel as well, 
You simply cannot have life without light. If you're going to have anything alive, you're going to need to have light first. Now, how many of you have been watching or ever watched the Planet Earth series, the BBC show? Anybody? Okay, I'm the only boring, boring person in the room. Okay. <clears throat> everything you, you would learn from the Planet Earth series, that's where I learn everything, that in Wikipedia, everything we need for life on planet Earth would be impossible without light from the sun. Antarctica doesn't have much life simply because Antarctica doesn't have much light. Photosynthesis, the process with which plants and trees sustain their life and produce oxygen, which is essential for our lives to be sustained, relies on light. We just recently moved, but our previous home had like almost a full acre. But in the back, it was literally a small forest. We had purchased our home from a, a woman who was 99 when she moved out, and I don't think she once in that century cut anything down in the backyard. Trees and brush everywhere. And I was amazed when all that brush was cut away <clears throat> to look at those trees. They grew like snakes just weaving through the brush that was there before to get to the light that they needed to have life and survive. So all that to say, when John refers to Jesus as the light, he takes something that is very obvious to us about the physical world, light produces life, and applies that to Jesus and says he is like that. He is the one through which all physical life came into being. Remember verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. But John also says that he is the light that gives spiritual life as well. <clears throat> and Jesus tells us that himself later in John. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Friends, let me be straight with you. If you don't have Christ, the light, you are utterly dead spiritually. Because our relationship with Jesus has been broken and it needs to be mended. We need the light. We need Jesus. When we follow Christ, we no longer stumble around through life in the dark, unsure of our purpose, seeking freedom to determine our own version of right and wrong, but only ending up enslaved by the consequences of the choices we make. No, friends, we need the life that Jesus the light offers. As some of you know, God blessed us mightily by giving us three of our youngest children through adoption. About a month ago, my two younger boys were getting picked up for an overnight visit by their biological grandma and grandpa. As the father of six, I was out for what I call one of my mental health runs. <laughs> Long ago, I gave up fitness uh, as a means for running, as a reason to go exercise, and I gave up any hope of getting any type of ab of any kind. Not six, not one. Just all I do right now is I, I run and I exercise to function. But as I got home, I saw their grandma loading them in the car. I stopped and I said hello and kissed my sons on the forehead and said goodbye. But when I walked in the front door, I was surprised to see their grandpa there standing in the middle of our living room. He had tears in his eyes and he said, we need to talk. 
Immediately I thought, something that was wrong that involved my boys. But then he said, serious, then he said, Paul, my life is just dark, I need light. I think I need Jesus, and I think that means I need to be baptized. To say I was shocked would have been an, is an epic understatement. Yet my son's grandfather knew in his heart he was living in darkness and needed light. And at that moment, he realized it was Jesus who would give him life. As my dear friend and author Joshua Ryan Butler says, we don't need to discover the light. The light, Jesus has come. We simply need to step out of the shadow, not to earn God's love, but to simply receive it. Friends, have you stepped out of the shadow and received the life that only Jesus can give? Have you, trust, have you chosen to trust and follow Jesus? Be clear, I am not talking simply about accepting a, a set of intellectual truths or having a checklist of behaviors you avoid. No, this life is so much more. It means trusting and treasuring Christ above everything else. It means being willing to set aside what our culture values most, comfort and security, just as Jesus did, to follow him. Friends, the abundant life Jesus is so, the abundant life with Jesus is so much better than comfort and security. As Dave mentioned, we got word this week that Doug Groth, one of our missionaries who is in Portland and battling cancer, went to be with Jesus on Monday. It was heartbreaking news for those he left behind. And we mourn with and continue to pray for Leela and their family. Yet can you imagine what Monday was like for Doug? Can you even imagine? One minute he says, I'm going home. And the next minute he is standing face to face with Jesus. And he gets to hear Jesus say to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh friends, that is life. To go all in with Jesus at work, at home, everywhere in your life, and to experience his presence on that journey, and then to hear those words when you stand face to face with him, that is true life, my friends. And I would ask you this question. If you have chosen to trust and follow Jesus, are you a light and do you offer life to those you encounter? In Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells those who follow him that they are the light of the world. Now, at first, this may seem a bit confusing. Isn't Jesus, isn't he the light of the world? Yes, Jesus is the light of the world. He alone has the power to give and offer spiritual life. But when he tells those of us who are his followers that we are the light of the world, he is saying that he has chosen to shine his light through us. Think of the moon for a second. The moon produces no light of its own. It is simply the light of the sun that it reflects. So long after the sun sets in the evening, we are still experiencing its light as the moon shines in the dark night sky. As theologian Trevin Wax states, we absorb his glory and majesty, the truth of his gospel, and we reflect those glorious truths for all the world to see. So yes, we are the light of the world whenever we reflect Jesus. 
Bethany and I have been blessed to know so many people who reflect light and bring life to those they encounter. Many of you in this room are those people. Yet as I've been studying John 1, I kept thinking of my dear brother, Barry Dixon. You know Barry? Yeah. Barry led our family promise team a couple weeks ago as we welcomed homeless families in the area to a home stocked with food and decorated for Christmas. To hear and see the dignity and joy that the families felt being in an actual home for two weeks was truly overwhelming. Barry and all of you who served with him truly reflected Christ's light and offered life to each of those families. Now the second truth about light that John shares is that light overcomes darkness. Now that is really obvious to all of us. Light versus darkness isn't really a fair fight. We have lots of pairs of things in this world, opposites, where you're not sure which one will win. Love versus hate. Hope versus fear. Peace versus war. And as much as I would like to believe differently, the sad reality is that sometimes people choose hate over love, fear over hope, or war over peace. But light and darkness are not like that. Light never loses a battle with darkness. When light is present, darkness is not. See, darkness is simply the absence of light. Light overcomes darkness because of what it is. It doesn't have to be big and strong to overcome darkness. Simply by being there, light banishes darkness. Now, my five-year-old Caleb has this thing he likes to do. Before I get home from church in the evening, he likes to turn off all the lights in the house. I love Caleb, okay? I'll show you that. He is the cutest kid in the world, but I hate it when he does this. Because his other hobby is to leave out all of his toys all over the floor in the house. So when I'm walking in, I'm like groping, looking for the light switch and tripping. And sometimes I've bailed, okay? But when I flip that light switch on, there is no battle with the darkness. The lights come on, the darkness immediately disappears. Darkness, you see, again, is just not a thing. It's the absence of a thing. Light is essence and entity. Darkness is not is just what you have when there isn't any light. And the reason this all matters is this, is that when someone who is the light steps into some place where there is darkness, there is no contest. Darkness is nothing. Light wins. And gang, if you pay any attention to our world right now, you know that's a really good thing because there is a lot of darkness. Whenever racism is embraced, there is darkness. Whenever the plight of the poor and oppressed is disregarded, there is darkness. Whenever uh, elderly people are seen as a liability rather than a treasure of wisdom to be honored, there is darkness. And whenever a child is abused or, or neglected, there is darkness. And sadly, there's so many more examples I could offer. Bethany and I have some friends who adopted a few children out of the child welfare system. I know that's shocking to some of you. (laughs) Unbeknownst to them, when they adopted, each of their children had been trafficked. 
victims of unspeakable abuse, the darkest darkness and sin. And almost nightly, one of their sons would cry and scream in the darkness of his room, remembering his trauma. And every night as good parents, they would go into his room and try to comfort him. Unfortunately, they said that, the, that he, that never seemed to work, that it never seemed to calm him, and that he would continue to cry as he faced the terror of the darkness in his past. So one night they decided to do something different. They decided to just pray. His room was between two other rooms. So mom went to one room and dad went to the other. And they put their hands on the walls, the adjoining walls of his room. And that night they just prayed. And that night as their son started to cry, they pleaded with Jesus to enter the darkness of his room and story. They said for a while he kept crying as he normally would. And then all of a sudden, the crying stopped. And all they heard was his sweet little voice whisper, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Our friends said at that moment, they knew the light of the world, Jesus, had entered their precious son's room. Jesus entered the darkness of their son's life, and the darkness fled. Friends, as John says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. It just can't. When the light enters in, the darkness flees. When Jesus steps into your life, the darkness stands no chance. Game over, light wins, mic drop. And as my dear friend Michelle Winter says, he is not afraid of our darkness. He chose to enter our world, not through the means of safety, power, and prestige, but as a vulnerable child, born to homeless parents, who were refugees in the midst of a genocide. He does not fear the darkness of our lives or our world. Simply by being himself, Jesus, the light, enters our lives and our world and brings light into dark. Friends, do you need Jesus to overcome an area of darkness in your life today? If so, will you invite him into that place? And just as Jesus overcomes the darkness in our lives, we are called to reflect and shine that light in the darkness. I would ask you this, friends. Is there an area of darkness God has made apparent to you that maybe he is calling you to step into to reflect his light? One of my absolute favorite people here at Cedar Mill is Chandra Galloway. She is one of those people who can identify areas of darkness and step into that darkness and bring light. She founded a ministry in India called House of Light that brings Christ's light into the deep darkness of the lives of young women who have been trafficked in India. And friends, at the House of Light, there is no question. The light has overcome the dark. So light brings life. Light overcomes darkness. Finally, light reveals what could not be seen before. Now, when Bethany and I were married nearly 20 years ago, my parents blessed us with a honeymoon in Tahiti. Anybody been to Tahiti? Okay, I hadn't either. <laughs> Haven't been back. <laughs> and I re- <laughs> Not happening. And I remember that after our wedding, we left the next night from Fresno. Anybody been to Fresno? Yeah. Almost the same, right? 
<laughs> we flew for I don't know how many hours, and then we started our descent into, get this. This is Tahiti's airport. Fa-a-a-a-a-a airport. <laughs> that was the name. And I distinctly remember looking out the window of the airplane and thinking, huh, and it was nighttime. The skyline of Tahiti doesn't look any different than Fresno's skyline. And then the sun started to rise. And in the light of those early morning hours, I realized, this ain't Fresno. The magnificence and beauty of that light, of that morning, revealed to us something we will never forget. And yet it was always there. Even in the darkness as we landed at the airport, the light simply revealed the magnificence and beauty of Tahiti that has always been there. But do you see it? John is saying that Jesus does that for God. No one has ever seen him. He has made him known. Jesus presents us with a physical person in the flesh, the incarnation. The word became flesh that we were able to see and touch, word and light. God fully heard and seen for the very first time. Yet just as he has always been for eternity, the beauty and glory and magnificence of God has always been there. And as Pastor Dave said a couple weeks ago, we stand in awe. Amen? The love of God, the glory of God. When we look to Jesus, we can know God fully. As Eugene Peterson said, Jesus has made God plain as day. But again, if John's words weren't enough, Jesus' words leave no doubt. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Friends, do you look to Jesus to truly know and understand God? Or are you looking elsewhere to try to understand God in a manner that seems safer or more palatable for you? Sensing rightly that knowing Jesus is going to cost you something. So you turn away. We had dinner with some friends a couple weeks ago. The husband shared a story of choosing to follow, his story of choosing to follow Jesus a few years back. They were both very successful musicians. And prior to following Jesus, he would have described himself as an agnostic. Just didn't know anything about God. He said at that point, he was convinced that there probably was a God or there was a power, but said he just didn't know anything about it. And after many years like that, finally he said he felt compelled to search so he tried a form of Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam. One night I met him for dinner and he was doing Ramadan and looked starved. Judaism, New Age theory. <clears throat> it, was after only, it was only after many years that he said he took a look into this Jesus. He said he made Jesus his last person he wanted to check into because he sensed, as Pastor Dave said last week, that Jesus was gonna rearrange the furniture of his life. But through tears in his eyes, he said, it was when I encountered Jesus, I knew I had encountered God. Friends, it is Jesus who truly reveals to us what God is like. Do you truly know God? He is the type of God who cries at a funeral and makes wine at a wedding. He is the type of God who quiets the massive raging storm and welcomes the little children. He is the type of God who confronts self-righteousness and comforts the broken and contrite. 
And he is the type of God who says he is like a father who runs to meet his prodigal son and daughter, wraps them in his divine embrace, and then throws an epic party. Friends, Jesus is both the logos, the word, and the light. In physical form, what God sounds like and looks like. Friends, truly, as John says, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. Only he has made him known. Now, friends, we're going to close like this. We've talked uh, through this series about how uh, John 1 echoes the beginning of everything, Genesis. At the beginning of everything, there was darkness everywhere. God's spirit hovered over the darkness, but it was dark. And then by his word, God said, lights, and there was light. Tomorrow we celebrate what happened 2,000 years ago. Once again, it was dark. And then God said, lights. And a star shone above Bethlehem to announce the true light was here. Now tomorrow, night, for us, late afternoon, two and four, love to see you there. We're going to light these candles, okay? And we don't light these candles because of some cute Christmas tradition, okay? Or that we want to tempt fate and try not to burn our building down. Friends, seriously, we light these candles to remember Jesus, the light of the world, walked into our lives and into our world. Amen?